Portia, we are just two pearls. Join us for adventures in pearls. Our reflection comes from the book of Song of Solomon, chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 5 through 7 from the New Revised Standard Version. I am black and beautiful, O daughters of Jerusalem, like the tents of Kedar, like the curtains of Solomon. Do not gaze on me because I am dark, because the sun has gazed on me. My mother's sons were angry with me. They made me keeper of the vineyards, but my own vineyards I have not kept. Tell me, you whom my soul loves, where you pasture your flock, where you make it lie down at noon. For why should I be like one who is veiled beside the flocks of your companions? That ends the reading. Amen. Purity culture. Mm. Talk That's about the it. topic of our episode right now. <sighs> this is a big topic. <sighs> so I think we have a lot to say about this. Uh, I'm going to start out by like lifting up an article that was published by Brittany Cooper, who is a professor. Um, and she wrote an article, I think a couple of weeks ago in September 2016, which is entitled Four Reasons Why Black Women Should Reject Purity Culture. Mm. And she's a black woman who got her PhD at Emory in Atlanta. And she thought she was kind of going to the promised land where she would like definitely find her man. And she went to church. She did all the right things. She read her books. She got her PhD. She did everything that she figured that she was supposed to do as a young black woman in Atlanta, which was to go to church, to be patient, to be pure, um, to do her <laughs> studies and to get both her degree and her man. That's what kind of the expectation was. And so the four reasons why she gives why we should reject purity culture is first that it spiritualizes social problems. Mm. Second, that it disempowers us while claiming to empower us. Third, that it perpetuates toxic femininity. And finally, that it demonizes black women's bodies. So I think the first question that we want to like kind of start with here is what is purity culture? Right. Because that's something that I keep saying. I'm not sure that everyone will necessarily know what that is. So, like, what is this? Where does it come from? And then we can get back into, like, kind of her counterpoints against it. What is it? Like, honestly, in my own words, it's complicated. <laughs> because there's just so many people and so many voices that are, like, trying to pile into this thing. Right. But if I could just give a straight, um, you know, Portia definition of what it is. Mm -hmm. it Purity culture is... To live holy and righteous in a way that is pleasing to God with your body, your mind, and your soul being pure, completely devoting yourself to the Lord, which would also include, but not limited to, abstaining from sexual activity. Right. Yeah. So abstaining from lots of things. But mm -hmm. right. Uh, sexual activity is, is kind of the key thing mm -hmm. here, right? Absolutely. Um, yeah. And it's become a thing where people are, at this point, 
becoming pretty wealthy <laughs> off of this purity culture thing and teaching people purity culture. Right. Which, of course, um, you know, I feel I don't necessarily feel as strongly as Professor Cooper feels about it, that it's completely toxic. I don't feel that strongly about mm-hmm. it. Um, but I do because, and the reason why I don't feel that strongly about it is because I do think that Christians are called to live in countercultural ways. Mm. And certainly scripture, especially if you look at the Old Testament, does point to this idea that especially women, which is an issue, but especially women are supposed to be pure, right? That being said, I also want to point out that the Bible says a lot of things, (laughs) especially if you look through Leviticus, that I know that I am not doing everything that it says in the text. I am not being completely faithful to everything in the text. So to pull out that one thing, and especially the burden that it places on women, both in scripture and in contemporary life, Mm -hmm. it definitely creates this problem, right? Mm -hmm. Where women are being punished for not being as pure Mm -hmm. sexually Mm -hmm. as we perhaps should be mm-hmm. right um and right and so i don't think it's wrong to live counterculturally. i mm-hmm. believe that that's what we as christians are called to do that being said i i don't necessarily like the word countercultural when it comes to christianity i'm more like like kingdom cultural like yeah. live in the ways that god specifically is calling us to live especially in this present moment right mm-hmm. the bible is a living breathing text that also just so happens to have been compiled by a bunch of men in a time and place that's not here and now. Hello. Right. Um, And so women were getting married as soon as they were of childbearing age and having their children and this and that and the other and probably dying young as well, which is terrible. (laughs) And today we're living in a world where women are certainly not getting married as soon as they're, we don't consider that to be legal. We consider that to be child marriage which we don't do right and so women aren't getting married until at least past their 18th birthday and you know even in, a, in american culture you used to be considered to be an old maid right if you weren't married by 25 right that's no longer the case right like we get married at pretty much any point along our lives right we start our lives without children and spouses all the time now and so it's like so where does purity culture fit in with where christian women find ourselves today You know, part of my problem with purity culture, and I'm just going to be very frank here, I feel like it is marketed specifically toward us women, Mm -hmm. and there's no accountability as far as the men. True. And it's just like, well, what about, what? what, what is, what's for them, you know? And it's just like, okay, because I'm a woman and I have woman body parts, Mm -hmm. um, quote unquote, that are female. Right. That means I'm supposed to live in a certain way Mm -hmm. and in a certain context in this certain time, Right. So, and I think you brought up a great point, Jamie, when you said that the Bible is written and compiled by men and edited by men, um, and that's the truth. Um, and I think we, when we use the text, we need to be critical in how we're using the text right. to frame this idea and this notion of purity culture right? and using it to target specifically women mm-hmm. and with no accountability toward men. And so... We yeah, we just got to be a little bit more careful, and I don't think we're doing a a fine job of that, especially in having the conversation between the two tensions of should we prescribe to this culture or should we not? And I see, and this is just in my sight, that I see a lot of women 
who are really damaged and being broken by feeling like they need to live up to an expectation that may or may not be what God is really calling us to do. That's right. You know, because people are interpreting the text and they're interpreting it in a way that may or may be out of context. And whenever we use the biblical text, we need to want to consider the context. And I think a lot of people are taking it out of context. Mm -hmm. But that's just me and that I could rant on about how people take the Bible out of context and cherry pick all day long. Right. But I'm not going to do that. Right. So but those are just some of my thoughts. But right. what was your original question? And no, I mean, I think it's interesting that you use the word use the text which I don't think is what we're called to do, right? We're called to live the text. Yes. Um, to become one with the text. Yes. To have a relationship with the text, not to use it as a weapon. And become right? Pharisees, right? Let me stop. <laughs> <laughs> I was like, let me stop. Just kidding. So let's move along. We want to talk about this, this book that's out and that's popular right now, right? What's the name of the book, Portia? So there's this book out by... Um, Devon Franklin and Megan Good called The Wait. Mm -hmm. And so it's basically about the waiting period in terms of like you or we as women and men who are in relationships should wait until we're married right. to engage in sexual activity. And so I pulled out some quotes here um, from the book that I feel like are like thesis statement-y um, in terms of the book. And so here are some pieces where it says the weight is about getting control of your life, reducing the dating drama and avoiding desperate relationship choices so that you can make better decisions about your future. The weight is a conscious choice to pursue delayed gratification in the areas of life specifically related to relationships. The weight is to delay the temptation for instant gratification in relationships in order to get what you really want in life hmm, <laughs> and become the person you truly want to be. Ultimately, if your desire to please God is greater than your desire to please yourself uh -huh. and even the person you may be dating, then God will bring you boundless blessings. Mm, yes. My, my. I'm trying to get those boundless blessings, girl. My, my. So if you mean to tell me, if I am in a relationship with, a person that means if I abstain from sex with them while we're in relationship that I will get the boundless blessings of God in the end right mm. and so it's fascinating this book is written by a fabulous married couple um Megan Good of course is an actress a very beautiful lovely actress and we not hate at all and of course she's married today so mm -hmm. the other thing that stands out to me about these texts is that for the most part they are written, co-written with women who um, are married, um, who are currently, I guess they say that's their boundless blessing, that they have this monogamous relationship in which to pursue sex, I guess. That's a boundless blessing. I don't know. Um, <laughs> so I'm just kind of trying to get to the bottom of these boundless blessings that come upon you through abstinence. Right. Right? Um. I, I kind of just want some more specificity on that. Yeah. It's just like, what does that mean? And like that he's guaranteed to marry me. And should that be, you know, back to the singleness issue? Um, I do think that God calls us to be in relationship with one another. I think Absolutely. like that's set out at the beginning of time that we are called to relate to each other at the same time. Should my ultimate goal with every relationship be basically my boundless blessing at the end of this is that this perfect man 
is going to marry me at the end of it, right? Like, is that the boundless blessing that we're going to be married and that we're going to be, you know, in this perfect, financially prosperous, healthy relationship (laughs) with perfect babies and all, like, you know, kind of it's like, what is my, I think they're setting people up for, yes, for something good, which is that it is good for us to treat our bodies like temples Absolutely. and not to just pursue sex with any old Lottie and Dottie who comes along. And everybody. I, right. I agree. Um, that's a very good thing. It's yeah. also good to make sure, even when we are in monogamous relationships, that there's um, physical safety, that there's emotional safety, spiritual safety before we reach out into like the sexual territory of the relationship. I yeah. also think that's good. The issue then becomes what is the boundless blessing that I'm doing this for, right? Yeah, and that's the part that I think is a little sticky because that's to say that is also to say that if I'm not in a monogamous relationship with someone that I don't have access to boundless blessings. Right. And so it's like, well, what is the blessing? Right. Because I think my life is blessed. You right. know, I'm not in a relationship with anybody. I'm in a relationship with myself. Well, myself is a somebody. So, yeah, I'm in a relationship <laughs> with myself and I'm in a relationship with God. And uh-huh. I think I'm really blessed. And so yeah. and I feel like the relationships that I have had with um, gentlemen in that were monogamous, I think they were blessed as well. You know, regardless of sexual activity or not, I think the point is that that they're almost like projecting is like, marriage presents a blessing that you can't achieve outside of marriage or like your life will become more blessed once you're married. And it's just like, well, is it more blessed or is it just in addition to what you already have? And so it almost makes me feel like this is presenting, presenting an idea that my life is incomplete without it. And I don't think that's true. Right. Um, So that, that's the big humdinger question right yeah so it definitely calls to mind that like image um what is it jerry Maguire, where tom cruise says you complete me mm-hmm. and everyone will always tell you like every relationship expert will tell you and i hope every christian relationship expert will tell you the same thing like that's terrible to look at another human being as like a grown adult and to say you complete me no you need to be complete before you get to me i Come am not your missing puzzle piece. i know that's right but then they're kind of creating this dichotomy where women who um either are not in monogamous abstinent relationships for whatever reason right then they are missing something and i don't right. get it it's like a sticky point and that's the part that we're getting at it's not so much whether to have sex in a relationship is bad before you're married. We're not really saying that, but we're also what more we're so we're talking about is is the idea of we're not having boundless blessings without it. Mm-hmm. And that's the that's the part that's sticky like that God is making us less blessed because we don't have this thing. Right. And that can be hurtful to young women who are single who may say, well, okay, so does that mean I'm not getting boundless blessings now mm-hmm. as a whole complete person who is single and happy? And so that's the part that gets really tricky with this purity culture piece. Not so much that, oh, you know, if you would say, like, you know, that's not really so much the argument as if this whole boundless blessings, like right. we're some, some less blessed because we're not married. Right. Yeah. And it's interesting because then I also wonder what scripture does tell us about healthy sex, right? Mm-hmm. Um, which I think, 
is challenging because, you know, so much now, especially now when I read scripture, I see a lot of texts of terror. I see a lot of mm, women mm-hmm. being abused. Mm-hmm. I see a lot of, you know, even thinking about Solomon's beginnings, right? We think about David and Bathsheba, which is, in my mind, not a fully consensual relationship. Exactly. Right? But then there are, quote unquote, boundless blessings. If you consider Solomon and his whole kingdom that comes of it to and be all a boundless blessing. Right? And so <laughs> it's kind of, it's, it's complicated, right? Mm-hmm. Because it's like mm-hmm. people do end up in reasonably decent situations in scripture, if I want to call this reasonably decent, (laughs) even as a result of behavior that like, in my mind is sinful. Right. And like Nathan shows up and tells David, like this was a sinful act. Right. Like, and yet Solomon does show up and it's like this super important King in like the history of Israel. Right. Right. Um, and so he in himself is a blessing in spite of the sin that was, committed right Mm -hmm. and so then that's the other piece of this um you know children who are born of relationships that purity culture would tell us are inappropriate sinful whatever it's like so that child isn't less of a blessing exactly the love that these people have for each other if they truly love each other is not less of a blessing right so how do we parse this out and so um at the top of the show um i read this part from song of solomon and i love this book so much i love kind of what it teaches us about intimacy and about like really like about sexuality. Yeah. Um, and this woman, which is like super rare in the Bible, if you picked one up, it's super rare <laughs> to find women expressing themselves in scripture. And she's Men black. write about women, mm-hmm. right? But women aren't really expressing themselves so much in scripture. We get Mary um, and Mary is like a, a receiver, right? Like she's happy to receive. We get Hannah praying for her son. Yeah. Like we get a lot of that sort of things, like women praying that they won't be barren or women receiving the baby that God has given to them, which is its own beautiful moment that we definitely should talk about more on the show. But what about a woman just fully being able to express herself, especially mm. in the realm of like, like, I mean, she's just sexy, right? Like she's black. And she is beautiful. So I read the NRSV because it says I am black and I am beautiful. She's got it going on. Right. Um, And like she wasn't fully loved by her family. Right. Like this text, it really reminds me of um, like systems of labor, even within U.S. history. Right. Like this woman is black. And so because she was so dark, her brothers put her outside and made her work in the fields. And yet that labor and that pain only increases her beauty and her self-confidence, mm-hmm. right? Like it's because of this darkness that she knows that she's beautiful, not in spite of the darkness, right. not despite the darkness, right. but even with this darkness, that's part of what makes me beautiful. But one of the lines that comes up often in this text is that she tells the daughters of Jerusalem, do not awaken love until it so desires, that's right. right? And so what do we do with that? What do we do with that? Um, I think we should take it for what it is. Do not awaken love until it is so ready, right? But then there's that other side of it that says, okay, when we're thinking about the love of God, so does that mean, okay, God, that does that mean I have to be patient? Does mm-hmm. that mean I have to wait? And do does that, does that mean I'm not supposed to be desiring this relationship and awaken it? Should I, should I not be praying to you? for these things until uh-huh. it's time because that alone will say there is a certain time there's a certain place for our relationships and it's like okay but what does that mean for my prayer life? does that mean do I not 
pray for it because I'm not supposed to awaken the love. But God, I really want this thing. But you also tell me that, you know, you know, the desires of my heart. And so it's kind of like, okay, well, where do we sit in that? Right. Do and I pray for it or do I wait for it? You know, it's so interesting. On our previous show on this topic, we talked about, um, we talked about intimacy, right? Mm-hmm. And so when we think about intimacy, I think that's what this text really like highlights, yeah. right? Um, because this woman, in spite of all of her desire for this man and whatever, he keeps kind of eluding her, right? Yeah. But she knows that that's the love that she's supposed to be seeking after, right? And she's vulnerable enough to continue to seek after it and to wait for it right? and to work for it right? Um, until it's ready for her, right? right? Um, And so, you know, I think that is what we're kind of called to go for, for this sense of intimacy, but also expectancy, right? Mm, like so I knowing, should be expecting. <laughs> <laughs> knowing that if it's out there for us, like we believe that and mm-hmm. we claim it, Right. And we keep eagerly expecting it and seeking it out. Mm. But then you say seeking it out, but that's a productive thing. Mm -hmm. So if we're seeking it out, if we're called, if we should be seeking it out. Right. Does that mean we should still be waiting? Does that mean we're still supposed to not awaken this thing? And that that's the that's the hard part. That's the complication. It's complicated. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it's complicated. Right. Mm. Yeah, I don't know. I don't know. But I do prescribe to ask, seek, knock. Yeah. <laughs> for sure. For sure, for sure. Yeah. This episode was produced by our producer, Dan Warren. Keep up with our adventures on iTunes, SoundCloud, or on our website, JustTwoPearls.com. You can also follow us on Twitter, Facebook, and Instagram at JustTwoPearls. Email us at adventures at JustTwoPearls.com. We are a production of the 224 Ecospace. And remember, cultivate the pearl within you.